Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. A very good afternoon. My name is Willie King, and here is your market view live. Well, it has been a rough 12 months for markets across the world with rising interest rates, emerging market governments stumbling to default, and currencies suffering against the greenback dollar with double digit losses in stocks and bonds like. So, even though many op- investors are optimistic of 2023 next year, you know, the question right now, you know, as you come to the year end is, could we have predicted all this, right, with high interest rates, low growth, and of course, the China reopening as well, and, you know, the ongoing war in Ukraine? And, you know, if not, then what can we as investors do? I've invited Chong Serjing, co-founder and portfolio manager of Compound Fund, onto the show to share with us more about predictions. Hey, Serjing, how are you, man? Hi, Willie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, following our discussion, right, we have been talking and I know that, you know, you have been a, you know, buy long-term value investor here. And, you know, we often talk about predictions. We talk about hindsight bias here. And with stocks falling, rates rising and so on, do you think that, you know, you could have predicted all this? So I've never actually tried to make such predictions because they are really difficult to get right. Um, I would like to share some interesting data. So near the end of every year, market strategies at the U.S. most important financial institutions would release their forecasts for the U.S. stock market's performance for the next year. Mm-hmm. So there's this writer called Morgan Housel who mm. once looked at the forecast these strategies had given for the year stretching from 2000 to 2014. And he compared the forecast to the actual performance of the U.S. stock market. Mm. So in an article for The Motley Fool titled The Blind Forecaster, Housel shared that the strategies' forecasts were off the mark by an average of 14.7 percentage points per year. Wow. And in fact, the strategies did worse than someone who simply predicted that the market will rise by 9% every year. <laughs> and this 9% is actually the US stock market's historical long-term analyzed return. Right? Mm. So the simple forecast is off by 14.1 percentage points per year. And this compares to the strategies' forecast of four, you know, the mistakes they made of 14.7 percentage points per year. So I think this is a really good example of how difficult it is uh, to make predictions um, in the financial markets. Now, of course, I understand that you know, there are many people who still want to make predictions about the financial market. Yeah. But for anyone who's listening right now, I, I would urge all of you to record your predictions for 2023. Now, really, you mentioned about this thing called the hindsight bias. Yeah. Right? And it's actually a behavioral quirk that we humans exhibit, and, and it can actually cause significant damage to our eventual investing returns. Mm-hmm. The hindsight bias is a phenomenon where after an event has happened, we think we had actually predicted it before it occurred. And mm. it's actually a serious problem. So there's this interesting um, article that I read recently. So uh, back in December 2021, Jason Zweig, who is a longtime writer for the Wall Street Journal, yeah. he actually asked his readers to predict where a list of financial numbers would be as of the end of 2022. So some examples on the list would include the closing value of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the return for the S&P 500, the yield on 10-year U.S. Treasuries, the price of gold, and the price of crude oil. And around the middle of this month, Zwag emailed those who had responded to him back in December 2021 to ask what they thought they had predicted back then. And the answer is really interesting, right? So, um, for example, the respondents thought that they had predicted that the S&P 500 would lose 1% when the actual prediction was a gain of 6%. Wow, there's a huge difference. It is, it is. And, and, and another example, you know, they thought that they had predicted that the yield on 10-year US treasuries would be 3% when the actual prediction was 2%. Mm. And it's really and it's really interesting that when Zweig uh, wrote to them to ask them for what they thought they had predicted, 
the S&P 500 was actually down by about 14%. Yeah. And the US 10-year Treasury yield was about 3%. So it turned out that Zweig's readers were actually affected by the knowledge of what actually happened when they were asked to recall their original predictions. And this is a great example of hindsight bias in action. And, and if we can all recognize this, um, it's important because we can then avoid being over-optimistic about the ability to predict the financial markets. Mm, I see, I see. I mean, the reason why I got you onto the show, Serging, is really, you know, talking about, you know, if we can't predict markets and it's always so difficult, then as investors, as retail investors, right, if we cannot predict markets, then what do you or should we as investors do or look out for? Sure. So instead of trying to make predictions, I think what we should do is to have expectations. Now, these two concepts of prediction and expectations may seem similar, but they are actually different. So an expectation is developed by studying past events when thinking about the future. So as an example, if you look at the US economy, it has experienced 12 recessions since World War II. Mm -hmm. So that's an average of a recession happening every 6.5 years. Mm -hmm. So a reasonable expectation to have would be for an economic downturn in the US to happen, say, once or twice over the next 10 years. The key thing is we do not know when this downturn will happen. A prediction, on the other hand, is us saying that a recession will happen in, say, the third quarter of 2025. Mm. So as another example of this difference between a prediction and expectation, so if you look at the U.S. stock market, so U.S. stocks have historically declined by 10% from a recent high once every 11 months, mm-hmm. 20% once every two years, and it has declined by about 50% two to three times per century. So this is uh, the performance of U.S. stocks over more than 100 years. Right, so if you are going to be investing for the next 30 years in the U.S. stock market, you can expect to see your stocks decline by 10% from a recent high many, many times. You can also expect to see the value of your stocks be chopped in half, perhaps once in your investing lifetime. Right, but if we were to be making a prediction, it would be us saying things like, oh, okay, I think that my portfolio will fall by 10% in value in December 2025, and it will fall by 20% in, say, December 2027. This difference between expectations and predictions um, can actually result in, in my opinion at least, different investing behavior. So if we merely expect bad things to happen from time to time, while knowing we have no predictive power about when they will happen, we can build our portfolios to be able to handle a wider range of outcomes. In this, and by doing so, our portfolios can become robust, where it's able to handle many different scenarios. Meanwhile, if we're actually making predictions, then we think we know when something will happen and we try to act on it. In this case, our investment portfolios will then be suited to thrive in only a very narrow range of situations. And if things take a different turn from what we predict it will happen, then our portfolios will be hurt. And in other words, our portfolios will actually become fragile. And we, can all, we are not able to handle the different surprises that life can throw at us. Mm. So there's really a difference here between expectations and predictions. Expectations, on one hand, you know, you're looking at past market cycles and having that um, um, expectations going forward that you know the things might happen but in this case for predictions you know you are not trying to guess what's really going to happen exactly the next day so there's that kind of difference there yes that's exactly right based on this right based on the hindsight bias based on predictions versus expectations you know maybe you can just share with us Serging you know what are your biggest wins realizations or losers and mistakes for the year I mean since we are coming to the year end yeah, sure. So I think uh, the biggest win that I have experienced this year is that I have actually not completely sold out of any stocks out of frustration or fear from falling stock prices. Mm-hmm. In other words, I have managed to not fall prey to my emotions when I'm investing. That's looking at expectations, only... right? <laughs> Again, sorry? That's looking at the expectations. 
and not at the yes, predictions. Exactly. Correct. Because I have the expectation that stock prices will fall even when businesses are growing because that is what has historically happened. Even when stock prices are so even when the prices of the stock that I own have declined, uh, when the businesses are doing well, I did not cave into frustration or panic and think that you know the world, um, like the world is going to end tomorrow, and therefore I'm going to sell my stocks. So because I have this expectation that even the best businesses for the long run will see the stock prices decline by huge amounts over if you hold them for long enough periods of time, and yet you know you can still do really well if you manage to hold on to them over the entire time period where the business is actually growing well. And so I have this expectation that stock prices will fall. And, and because of that, um, even when, when they actually declined, I did, it did not feel good, but I did not sell my stock out of frustration or, you know, or fear that they will continue falling. Mm. Because I know that these things happen. Yeah, and I think also at the same time, you know, at this time where, you know, the market is all in the red and blood on the streets, I think investor psychology and investor behavior comes at a very, very important time. And like what you rightly pointed out, right, you know, talking again about expectations and predictions are also, you know, one big thing which sort of helps to soothe out, you know, in this, you know, very volatile market cycle. Yes, I completely agree that this, um, I think having expectations and studying market history can, in my opinion at least, or in my personal experience, has really helped me to gain a better handle on my psychology and my emotions when I'm investing. Mm. Any mistakes for the year? I mean, you spoke about your biggest win, which is talking about investor psychology, but how about mistakes, which I like to also know? Yeah, sure. So my biggest, the biggest, biggest mistake I made this year has nothing really to do with expectations, but it has to do with a single company. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, a com- it's a US company called Twilio. So uh, my partner and I, we think we had misjudged the management team's understanding of what ultimately drives the company's intrinsic value, which is long-term growth and free cash flow per share. Mm-hmm. So what happened with Twilo is that um, it recently communicated its intention to keep stock-based compensation, or SBC, at a high percentage of its revenue. And Twilo's current price-to-revenue multiple is low. So if its SBC is high, it will result in significant dilution and will uh, eventually cause low growth in its free cash flow per share. So when we first invested in the company around two years ago, we thought that management would have a better understanding of the importance of achieving good growth in free cash flow per share. But it turns out that uh, we got this judgment wrong. So I think that has been the biggest mistake for the year. Mm, I see. I mean, there's always uh, winners and always losers as investors. Yeah, yeah. You can't avoid the, you can't avoid the mistakes. <laughs> I have here with me Chong Sejin, co-founder and portfolio manager of Compounder Fund, uh, with me talking about predictions of the markets, expectations versus predictions and investor psychology. Thank you so much, Chong Sejin, for coming onto the show. Um, you know, happy to chat with you and I will see you next time. Thanks for having me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance.